0: I was at a librarian conference lately. I've been at a series of librarian conferences because I am a librarian. Mm-hmm. And I was talking about trashy romance novels. Like, I think I was talking about the Kentucky Fried Chicken romance novel.
1: Oh, yeah. That's a good conversation. That's starter. how I start all
0: my conversations, actually. Um, <laughs> and and this, I was talking to this lady and she was like, so wait, why did you read this book? Because I was talking about how terrible it was and how I knew it was going to mm-hmm. be terrible. And I said, Well, I have this romance novel book club and we read trashy books. And she's like, You know, well, why do you have this podcast? And I'm like, So I can read trashy books and romance novels. I mean, how else would I do that without this? How could I look at myself in the mirror every you day? Know, or listen to myself in podcast form if I wasn't reading trashy novels? But
1: at the same time, <laughs> like I do it just because I have
0: to. I mean, I have a podcast; it's sort
1: of a duty. Yeah. yeah. Perfect cover, Alana. Perfect cover.
0: The Alana's podcast. Wendy and Alana's podcast. Get little Get little Woo! Hello and welcome to Getting Lit. Alana and Wendy's Totally Excellent Literary Podcast. This is Series 1, Season 2, Episode 4 of our Vaguely Romance Novel Two-Person Book Club. My name is Alana, and I'm one of your hosts today. And I'm Wendy, your other host. Today we are discussing The Lady in Smoke, A Victorian Mystery by Karen
1: Oden. How are you today, Wendy? I'm good. And also that's like the subtitle, like A Lady in Smoke colon a victorian mystery (laughs) excuse me is that not are you supposed to say colon like is that part of the mismanners (laughs) no i just think it's funny that you know you could say a victorian mystery but also like it's legit called a victorian mystery it's like emma a romance novel written by jane austen
0: by jane austen like, are there other ladies in the smokes? We know that there's many pirate princes and there's many Amish midwives. Are there many ladies in many smokes? Could
1: be. And Possibly. then maybe there. That makes sense, actually, as the name of a Victorian mystery. Like, that sounds a lot like, you know, Lady Black, Lady White. Mm-hmm. Pretty much on par with a Wilkie Collins. Mm hmm. I don't think you need to say it out loud. (laughs) It's a Victorian mystery.
0: Yeah. Okay. So so it's a so it's a subtitle that you're not supposed to read aloud. Is that what you're saying, Wendy? (laughs) Like maybe it's supposed to be read read you know quietly so you know that what the genre is a Victorian mystery. (laughs) A lady (laughs) in the smoke. Victorian mystery. (laughs) Bye, Karen Odin.
1: Um, I also think it's funny that, remember how I couldn't remember the name of this book? I think I said specifically, it's a mystery, possibly Victorian. (laughs) I could have looked up Victorian mystery and that would be a result. But I didn't, because I didn't think that it was part of the... I want to pause here
0: and uh, apologize for our listeners for spoilers. Anyone who is still trying to guess which (laughs) romance novel we were reading because we described it so incredibly, like we could not remember what its name was. So if you guessed The Lady in the Smoke of Victorian Mystery, sorry, The Lady in the Smoke of Victorian Mystery by Karen Oden, then you have guessed correctly. Please proceed to Little Rock, Arkansas. (laughs) <laughs> and, and and get your prize but you can't <laughs> oh
1: i have the prize <laughs> <laughs> no just the whole city of little rock does you don't oh have it. actually little rock is the prize <laughs> it's a it's a gift really but yes that was eventually the book that we were reading what are you drinking today wendy um, i'm drinking it's called a 7 and 7 but I didn't use Seagram 7 which is part of the 7 so it's a 7 and whiskey it's good and water cuz it's fucking hot here. Oh is it has it already gotten hot where you are? Oh yeah. Oh.
0: It's like 80 million degrees outside. It's it's delightful today. It was supposed to storm and then it didn't. Um but it's looking kind of cloudy now. It's like Think it's in like the uh, the upper seventies.
1: Oh, you poor thing! I'm sitting here. I'm sitting here in my drawers, as I like to say. Uh You're becoming so southern. I know. I'm from the holler. Yeah, wearing my drawers. (laughs) I don't think I'm saying that right. Drawers. You think it's drawers? Drawers. Yeah,
0: that (laughs) sounds more. I'm just gonna go with it because it sounds sillier.
1: my drawers In my drawers
0: and my drawers but yeah i i, I don't mean any offense <laughs> to any southerners we are just really bad at accents like <laughs> like it is a cross that we must bear as people from the deep north <laughs> the backwoods north i can't i can't do a hoosier accent either to save my life save my life <laughs> What do you what are you drinking? I'm drinking so this book is about a um railroad accidents. And and another word for a railroad accident is a train wreck, which is the name of many drinks, actually, because that's what people become when they drink. They become <laughs> train wrecks. So I had I decided to make one of those straight up um from one of those recipes, and I find that no joke, Guy Fieri. Has a drink that's available <laughs> on like all recipes, you know, Mr. Flavortown, right? <laughs> Flavortown, yeah. yeah, yeah, which is called the train wreck.
1: Wait, wait, don't isn't it like you get a ticket to Flavortown? You do, you're getting a ticket to Flavortown on a train and then it train wrecks. Oh, that. Oh, that's not good. That's You're not never good. gonna get
0: to Flavortown, Alana. I know. I'm never gonna. You're gonna, be gonna there. wreck before you get there. It's just like I'll have the frost tips, but none of the delicious, like pulled. Pork.
1: <laughs> I think that's... you should get frost tips <laughs> and then wear sunglasses on the back of your neck.
0: Uh, did I? I told you once. I saw on the. I saw recently on the on Facebook that there is a bar crawl in New York City where everyone dresses up as Guy Fieri. <laughs> what? Like, And then they, they just keep on talking about Flavortown, and apparently it's, like, a big thing. Everyone dresses like like, wears sunglasses on the back of their head. Um. Anyway, this drink is quite good. This is the first time I've bought sweet and sour, which is what you used to make, I think, a margarita. It's got, yeah. um... Anyway, so it has sweet and sour in it. Kind of a shot of vodka. It says one ounce, but I think I put, like, maybe a couple more than that. Um... Uh, an orange liqueur. They recommend Co- Cointreau, but I use Triple Sack because I'm lazy. Cream de cacao which was really nice in this. And a splash of lemon-lime soda. And you sort of just put in a bunch of ice in it, and it makes a delightful summer drink. Um, kind of like ju- the cream de cacao kind of adds an interesting taste to it. So... I just decided I ta- I made like Guy Fieri's thing and I usually I kind of like make it my own a little bit. I'm like, nah, this is pretty good by
1: itself. <laughs> That's great. Who knew? He did take you to Flavortown. He did. He took me. I have been. I bought a postcard in Flavortown. <laughs> round trip ticket. And
0: uh, I realized that I have tons of trains because Purdue is the Boilermakers So I took a picture of it right next to, like, a teeny tiny train. But I thought about adding to this recipe, garnish with tiny train that you have lying around the house. (laughs) As you do. As you do, because you have plenty of tiny trains, because you live in West Lafayette, Indiana.
1: (laughs) That's great.
0: So, okay, so we read The Lady in Smoke. I guess we'll move on to the main book. So, the lady in the in the smoke in the smoke, I believe is is what it is. What did you think of this, Wendy?
1: I think I was in a very forgiving mood because I didn't mind it actually, and I don't think it was like particularly good, but i I just like sped through it, so it was pretty good, I guess.
0: yeah, I don't think it was actually four hundred pages
1: or like. Don't you think the, like, letters and spacing were, like, 36 font or something <laughs> like that?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I just, I just, I sped through it as well. I also, I liked it. Um, I think it had enough of an interesting story to keep me, like, I read it over a very short period. And it's been a while since I've read a book where I kind of just wanted to know where it was going. I wanted to know what the mystery was and how far it went. Um. Yeah. I don't know if it really counts as a mystery because they don't really introduce all the suspects or the true scope of the mystery. It's more Mm -hmm. of like I don't know, like suspense or yeah, um,
1: or like crime,
0: yeah, or Victorian crime, yeah, or like a thriller. It's more of a thriller because because by the end of it, you're in a totally different. Spoilers from now on. Um, you're, you're in like a completely different part of the story. It starts with a train wreck and it's sort of, you know, then you find out about the train station and then you find out about her mother and her sort of like complicated love triangle. And then you find mm-hmm. out about like her neighbor and the relationship to the love triangle and the business problems. And there's these newspaper men and then there's, um, you know, people being put in jail, uh, in jail for manslaughter, yeah. et cetera. Um, so that felt like i i felt it didn't feel like a mystery like I don't think I could have guessed where it would go, like I couldn't have ever guessed it because you didn't know that that there was this other guy who was the connecting guy between these two different people, you know mm-hmm. so
1: you know i i don't I don't read mystery like the genre mystery that often, and i don't I don't know if this would like completely fit into the category because she didn't really try to trick you like there wasn't like a really like oh shit moment where you're like and then the person who you thought was going to be this was actually this you know mm-hmm. it wasn't it yeah no no <laughs> but, like she ends up with paul and you're like yeah i knew that was gonna happen <laughs> <laughs> and then like the plot of the um the whole trial and everything was interesting it was interesting but it also was like pretty straightforward
0: yeah, I mean, I think I was talking to someone earlier today on like my Facebook who said they read it before and she said that it didn't feel very suspenseful and I think I agree in that like it never felt like anything bad was ever going to happen to the main character and it was pretty mm-hmm. clear she was going to end up with what's his face, one way or the other, right? Paul.
1: Yeah, Paul.
0: Now, I think that the story that they sort of created, I liked the idea of sort of under of this post-traumatic stress that she experiences as part of the railroad accident and Mm -hmm. sort of the ways in which um, addiction sort of affects both of them as well as like, you know, um, like the way in which trauma affects people. I thought that was really interesting.
1: Yeah. I thought the train wreck itself was pretty interesting. And also Paul's job is pretty interesting. Paul is a, a surgeon, but not a doctor. I guess a surgeon, you don't have any credentials and you're apprenticed. And he was a railway doctor, meaning that he would go to train wrecks and help people specifically, which is a very interestingly specific position from that time.
0: Yeah, and the fact that there was, I mean, which there's like a thing in the back, and apparently, you know, there was a lot of these accidents that were happening. And so that was kind of a specialty that he had developed.
1: Yeah. And it kind of makes you think about like technology in the way that I mean before before railways horse riding and carriage accidents were like the carriages were the the fastest thing you could do. So, you know, the the kind of stuff that we go through when we have car accidents didn't really wasn't if you had like a carriage accident because you're only going like 30 miles an hour or something at most. So, so really seeing what the bo- what happens to the body when you are suddenly stopped at very high speeds is very interesting. Yeah, yeah. They, Victorians, had never, like, experienced that, and I don't know, I was in a car accident once, and it, it is true that you, like, you feel the symptoms worse afterwards, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, the next day or so, I was really in pain, but the first day, I was just kind of like, okay. <laughs> it yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, I kind of, I did like the idea.
0: And it seemed to me to be pretty well researched. Like, it has a real book that came out in the area. And she does acknowledge at the end of the book that this idea of being a doctor and being kind of a more formal thing was something that doctors really didn't have at the time. Um, yeah. So she's aware of that. But I also found the, the interesting idea that it could be knowable to sign of that all these people have similar like, and that they have complications like syphilis or um, opioid addiction that affects them.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also, um, you know, you know what it felt like to me, it felt like a, maybe a YA writer, or a romance writer trying to write mystery and she did she did a pretty good job for a romance writer some romance whenever they try mystery it's like oh god just stick to what you're good at (laughs) you know (laughs) like that was not a surprise honey (laughs) (laughs) but also the the reason i mean the reason why i picked this i think was the same reason why this person wrote this book because Um, I had also heard about that thing with Charles Dickens about how he was in a train accident and he was okay for a while and then he was like, he was trembling and he hurt so bad that he like couldn't move for a long time, you know, and it's kind of this mysterious thing. And And I know there's like, I've read a couple of books albeit on audiobooks so I wasn't paying like a ton of attention to them, but it was like, um, he met a girl while he was while he was in a train accident and then he started an affair with her. There was also a mystery that he wrote that kinda has to do with train wrecks, I think. So so that kind of stuff like totally was in the back of my mind when I was thinking of this book and I was reading about it. And it's funny because she was like, and Charles Dickens also was a railway like, accident. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah,
0: and we're on the same page. And you can tell the author is a total giant Charles Dickens fan. Like, every single oh, yeah. time that they have to make small talk, they make Charles Dickens small talk.
1: <laughs> like,
0: like, I get it, lady. I get it.
1: <laughs> you must read some of my stuff. I'm sure they make Jane Austen small talk. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I think it really fit into that was like weirdly oblique from the from the um the book itself? But I think it would fit really well into the Christian genre. Oh.
0: Do you feel yeah. like that? Like, I feel like that could definitely because it definitely has elements of that sort of parable thing you see a lot in Christian romance novels Mm -hmm. where there's a there's something you're supposed to be getting out of it like a lesson True, um and I mean they have a very chaste the romance is very chaste oh my god which didn't really bother me I was like I didn't really expect it to get hot and bothered because I mean, I th- I think the fact that she put a Victorian mystery on the outside is, is like, telling us that it wasn't going to get too hot and bothered.
1: Yeah, I think so, too, actually. But, yeah, it was it was squeaky clean. They had one kiss. Maybe yeah. two. Yeah, they had two kisses.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and then they're just going to go and, like, you know, run away together to America after that. So there is a definite <laughs> romance element to the
1: story, you know? But it was also, like, the guy in particular reminded me of Christian, or perhaps that, like, not even YA, but, like, chapter book type of hero, where it's, like, he's almost like a shadow. Like, he's just, like, this really nice, good-looking shadow, you know, (laughs) that's, like, this, like, placeholder for what a man should be, you know? He also seemed much older than he was, like, in how he
0: had been written. Because he's supposed to be in his 20s. um, And he
1: has it together, like, a whole lot. Oh, yeah. This man can do no wrong, by the way. He... Yeah. He selflessly works three days straight to help these victims of the train accidents. He is just really, like, kind. He doesn't come on to her at all, even though she... He totally knows she's into him. Um, he just, he's, like, so upright, upstanding, and righteous, and hardworking, and kind, and generous.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think, um, he, he's kind and generous, and even when he's in jail, and he's about, he's convicted for manslaughter, he doesn't even seem that interested in his own trial. He's still like, no. but what about the railroad victims? You know? Yeah. Man. He was a little unbelievable as a character. And I felt like he definitely didn't have very much conflict. They Didn't really have very much conflict in general, except, like, she couldn't really figure out how to adult enough to, like, <laughs> you know, figure out what her options were. I was hoping in the end, like... And it did kind of happen where, like, you know, the com- the company went over and basically she lost her whole fortune. And I was hoping for a moment where she realizes, like, oh, I lost my whole fortune. Well, now, you know, I can marry whoever I want. I'll go marry this guy. You know? No, she
1: didn't lose her own for- her fortune. I know. The company it- was bought over. I know. But I wish she had... so she had no choice other than to no i mean like it also
0: (laughs) means that there's nothing to lose right by marrying someone of a lower class right like this was the thing that her mother had warned her would happen if she lost her fortune like she'd end up with some like low-class dude but she's happy that way she and then it could be like a rejection of her mother's universe right But before we move on to like her mother and stuff like that, I want to talk about cousins marrying.
1: Because it's gross. (laughs) And there's a character who very It was okay for so long. Uh, It it was was good. It was good for so long. Uh, Cousins marrying cousins, man. No,
0: no, no. It's not okay, guys. (laughs) <laughs> uh so they introduced this the her cousin early in the story, and they introduced him as a love in, like kind of a oh, we've been friends for so long, and I'm like he's gonna be the stable choice, isn't he? And I'm grossed out because he's your cousin, and you
1: grew up with him, he's like your brother, like yeah, that's gross that, that part where he like was like so in in the thing he's a lawyer she's she's got a boyfriend that's in the in jail for manslaughter. Um and she asks him to represent uh Paul and um and they have like this like you know, he's like, okay, yeah, I'll do it, you know. Um and they they hang out and they talk and I'm like, oh, she has a friend that's a guy, a guy friend. That's so cool and then like at the very last minute he said I've come to really feel for you. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, Damn it. No. James, I thought you were better than that,
0: James. Uh, yeah, I thought that it was just friends. It's also really concerning because some people have some serious friendships in this book. Like she has a total gay lesbian relationship with Anne, right? Her her best friend Anne. Her gay? I didn't get any gay. It seemed too super gay. Like that's and then there's In what this, way? Well, just like the fact that they were overly clingy to each other and the fact that James was like, you can see Anne every day. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's totally a Victorian thing. Uh anyway. And then there's the, the people who think that these those two um Anne's brother and this one guy are gay for each other, and apparently they're not. They're not gay. No, no, no homo, no homo. (laughs) (laughs) Which made it even more of a Christian romance novel, in which they're like, yeah, why would you believe that? That's like impossible. Yeah. Oh my God. No one can ever
1: be gay. I was, I was like, he's gay, dude. Like everyone, pay attention, he's gay. Because, okay, so his story was, um, Philip, their like, I don't even remember, neighbor or something. Got into a lot of trouble because he was in an opium den that also um, is very gay. It's a gay hangout. And so so people are like, whoa, he's gay and he's an earl. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You know, um, because it's Victorian times and everybody hates gays in Victorian times. (laughs) And he would not contest it because and here's here's the part where it's like hard to believe he was there to get his friend
0: uh-huh. who quotes unquote.
1: yeah his his best friend who is gay um who's also ad- addicted to opium who also has syphilis by the way and they were like really close friends you know <laughs> he's like it's not me it's not me he's gay you know <laughs> but he wouldn't he wouldn't like out his friend in for reasons of honor you know and then after that he was like sick for like 6 months cuz he was so distraught about his friend cuz his friend actually turned his back on him eventually like this gay dude has a lot of problems
0: yeah <laughs> i was like what is going on here, like that I whole mean, thing, I wanted to like follow that a little bit more and examine it because it seemed like there were some real, like, romance novel tropes in that, you know, like the forbidden love and the, the yeah, you know, tragic That'd ending, be interesting. yeah.
1: But no, he was they were just quote unquote friends, really good friends, really, really and that was good his friend. honor. But, but I was like, dude, he's gay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Better check for syphilis later on. Yeah, yeah.
0: Like, get that looked into, right? <laughs> However, if James and this girl are friends, oh, there must be love, you know? Like, why can't you yeah. guys be friends? Like, clearly you have, like, this these really homoerotic friendships.
1: hmm <laughs> Also, like... Okay, so the main character... What is even her name Elizabeth the main character Elizabeth is in love with Paul who can do no wrong who is not a real character and he's away for most of the book he's arrested so he's he's in jail for most of the book and then she's like trying to figure out everything how to how to get him out of jail and so we get to know these other characters, and we get to know James, her cousin, who's like kind of snooty, but also like a really smart lawyer. And then we also get to know Paul's friend, Tom, who works at a newspaper, who's gruff and and he's always getting into fights and that kind of stuff. But he's also like a good friend. And so I'm kind of like, look at these characters here. Those are interesting characters. <laughs> I wish they had anything to do with this.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you could have made people more interesting or spent... I feel like this book, one of the things that made it really easy to read is large amount of the books are p- characters explaining everything else that happened to other characters. Oh,
1: yeah. Oh, God, I hate that. And I, I felt like
0: many, like, at least I would say 30 or 40 pages could be kept from this book by saying, Elizabeth told Paul everything that she he she knew about the
1: topic. <laughs> At you least know? it's not. <laughs> I mean, it, all, it's not like it's not like Amish vampire level terrible. But <laughs> I mean, it was still readable. It was just really oh, yeah. not but the it, best. It
0: made it almost too readable because you're like, well, I know this part, so I don't really I can skim over this really <laughs> easily. Skip.
1: Yeah, and you don't like get any other type of um i was trying to think of a word like i really i really love the word manic pig, pixie dream girl and other like terms for different characters and i was trying to think of one for paul because i know there's always that character in a lot of different genres and i think what i came up with was um like a a broomstick man <laughs> Because, you know, put a little face on a broomstick and then that's basically Paul right there. And then, (laughs) like, it's totally like that Disney princess, like, you know, like Sleeping Beauty, like dancing with an empty coat, you know, talking about her prince who comes, you know, later in life and how he's going to be so nice and upright and friendly and take care of her, you know. (laughs) <laughs> and he, like, has all those. <laughs> I would add
0: it's a it's a broomstick with a credit card, like, attached to it. Cause he's, a credit card?
1: Yeah, because he's a... He's poor as fuck.
0: Well, yeah, but I mean, the but the trope is is that, like, he'll take oh, care of you, yeah. and he's has lots of money, and he has a, you know, uh-huh. a title and things like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. He just doesn't have a credit card. Yeah. He's, he's super poor. Yeah. But he has a good job waiting for him in America. I was like yeah America, America <laughs> it's one of those like male characters that girls growing up aspire to date later or to marry, you know, and they're like dancing around the room and with a broomstick or something, you know, pretending it's a husband like that's that's how I see it yeah it's it's
0: kind of like a a placeholder as less less than a person. Mm-hmm. Like, it, does, it has more to do with the person than it does with... I mean, he doesn't really have a personality outside of being really all the things that she likes about him. You know? Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's pretty easy to be in love with him if he's, like, gone all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she does not know him at all. Yeah. <laughs> and And that also is the reason why I, like... Think of it like fitting really nicely into a Christian genre is because a lot of men are like surprisingly super responsible, super nice guys, you know. <laughs> in in some in some Christian stuff, like they could do no wrong. <laughs> I was okay with him as. A character. I was just like, oh, so he's that placeholder. Okay, let's move on. But the, the thing that bothered me was <laughs> her in particular. And I was okay with most of it because she was just like this Victorian woman trying to get out of her Victorian rut. Yeah, whatever. I can go with it. But <laughs> there was that part in the trial <laughs> where she's like, telling this story, and every single juror, because apparently she can read minds, every every single juror was against Paul. And then um, she tells this story about like, how terrible it was during the wreckage and how he came out of nowhere and saved her and her father, I mean, her mother and uh, everything was perfect. And he's just a perfect man, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, and then the part specifically that I hated was that the seasoned lawyer who shouldn't be doing this case. Cause he's such a big, awesome lawyer who was trying to get him. Um, paul convicted was like dumbfounded by her response she he was like <laughs> oh, and he didn't have like any response rebuttal or anything he was just like well she got me <laughs> like no fucking way man like <laughs> that did not happen <laughs> well i th- i don't know i thought the
0: point was of that was is that she had Reinforce that like these railroad accidents are really traumatic, right, and terrible, and it makes it less clear what you should do inside of them or something. But yeah, I'm gonna switch around to readers theater, which uh-huh. as 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 uh, listeners will remember is when we read a bit of the book aloud. I am going to read a part of that same trial in which Sir Lewis is talking about our favorite broomstick, Paul. <laughs> favorite broomstick Fa- favorite broomstick his favorite broomstick Woo. um and she he's got like the lawyer has
1: like kind of a crush on on paul so um you know there's an underlying romance going on
0: a tragedy yeah he gestured towards paul in the box and shook his head with profound gravity i found an angry flush to my cheeks i had been right about sure sir lewis enjoying a bit of theatrically. Sir Lewis continued, You might hate to believe the worst of this young, fine looking man who stands before (laughs) you. But after you hear the evidence of the mistreatment of Mr. Bennett, the will for neglect, mishmash of unproven and unscientific remedies, much as you hate to, you will have to convict Mr. Wilcox of manslaughter. I just love that part. Young, fine looking man. I like to imagine he's like this fine piece of ass. Yeah. This young, <laughs> fine-looking man, virile
1: mm. Virile.
0: ah, uh, that piece of ass right over there,
1: huh? Mm-hmm. Look at look at that man. Just look, look- at his features. <laughs> Just like the cerulean eyes, high cheekbones, <laughs> alabaster skin, long, flowy hair. <laughs>
0: Just like, you know, just like check him out, everyone, alright? Just check him Mm. out.
1: Damn. Mm -mm. Just damn.
0: Excuse me, sir. Can you walk by a couple of times just so that we can fully
1: appreciate? (laughs) Mm -mm -mm. I hate to see him go, but I love to watch him leave. (laughs) <laughs> to the uh, gallows
0: to the gallows because because he killed that man he killed him good but he won't believe it you can say to yourself how could such a hot dude be such a murderer and such nobody-?
1: a fine fucking piece of man Mm-mm-mm. Mm-mm-mm. basically just the marble statue of David just like sitting over there uh, do you work out sir sir do you work out <laughs>
0: Uh. that's great all right my my other thing for readers theater is um right when they when they kiss i think for the first time when they they discuss that how they actually love each other or whatever paul which is very
1: very very late
0: in the yeah yeah like it's not it takes up a very little amount of the book but um so the moment might have lasted longer, the two of us silent and clinging to each other, but the clock in the hallway chimed half past. I pushed myself away gently and touched his face, every line and plane of it familiar and infinitely dear. You should go, I whispered. He pressed his fingers to my his he pressed my fingers to his mouth, hard enough that it hurt. God bless you always. <laughs> Alana, if you were here right now i'd do that to you <laughs> <laughs> i called my my hand so close that you that you that it hurts that i hurt you oh yeah that yeah that is that and also would you also say god bless you because that's what you say when someone sneezed you. did you sneeze on our hands is that what <laughs> happened
1: more important. bless me
0: more in- <laughs> More importantly, is this what people are thinking when they tell me, God bless you, after I sneeze? Because that changes everything about every interaction I have ever had (laughs) post-sneeze. If you sneezed into your hand and then someone grabbed your hand and pressed it to their face. That's just like asking for danger. No, no, that is dangerous, dangerous work. God bless you, <laughs> always. I guess no one has ever said it always. I guess God bless you is something that's time limited. Like you can't even wish someone God bless you in repeat. You know, when someone sneezes <laughs> a bunch of times.
1: <laughs> Actually, my sister. I I usually sneeze more than once, and my sis and I sneeze, and then Katie goes God bless you, or bless you, and then I sneeze again. And she goes You only get one. <laughs> <laughs> like she's already tired after the second one <laughs>
0: like you have been presumptive to assume that she will continue <laughs> to bless you no this is
1: a time limit yeah. god bless you now yeah. god's love is infinite yeah, but his blessing is very tight window
0: <laughs> unless he's always god blessing you such as in this passage
1: <laughs> I would try to do that to yourself of like pushing your I was I was trying this while you were talking, <laughs> like push your fingers to your lips so hard that that it hurts. Like that's really weird. Yeah, I feel like it. It just
0: hurts between your fingers, right? Like that's yeah. how it feels.
1: Or maybe it hurts when he's clasping those fingers. I hope everyone can visualize this. I know.
0: This is the moment where being a podcast is kind of a problem. We're like both putting our hands to her and like trying to see if we can
1: make them hurt. Yeah. That's not something I would do to somebody's fingers. No. Also, the first time I read it, I thought he was going, shh. And you know how people in movies do that where they just put their finger over somebody's lips? And I'm like, why would you do that? No. Why? No. That looks so uncomfortable.
0: Uh, it feels like you're in my bubble hardcore, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Step away from the bubble. <laughs> it is Mother's Day this weekend. Um, yeah, happy Mother's Day, Alana. Yeah, happy Mother's Day to you too. And to your I'm mother, not a mother. And to your mother's mother. My mother will be yeah. on our podcast, not this, but in uh, June. And Wendy's mother has been on the podcast. But, and Mm -hmm. this book also prominently features a mother in it. She was awful.
1: (laughs) This is, this is how I feel. I think that Mrs. Bennett from Pride and Prejudice basically ruined mothers as characters forever. I have this idea of why characters usually have dead parents or parents that don't listen. I, I think it's to establish a type of autonomy. So that they can go out and experience all these things without having like a safety net, you know. That's that's my theory of why there's always so many dead parents. But the option for the dead, (laughs) another option for dead parents, is just a parent that is just like silly as fuck who does not understand. (laughs) And let's see how many of these how many of these mothers have we had on these books that we've read. Um. This this mother was. Consistently hopped up on opium and was trying to make her daughter um, marry some rich dude. Like, just, you know, she was trying to match, make her, but in this, like, weird, mean way, because they were almost going to be poor. And, like, I had that exact moment in Titanic running through my head of, like, you know, when Rose's mom is, like, cinching up her corset and it's like you need to to be nice to this rich man like, oh. <laughs> you know i was like this is this this is where you got that right mm-hmm. <laughs> but then the, then there was also the stepmom from last time from next grave on the right oh first yeah first grave on the right. yeah and she was like really irrationally weird about things i mean Truly flat characters. These are very flat. Both of them are very flat characters. And truly just, like, antagonists in the story. And it's... I mean, I think it's almost, like, okay to do it because of Mrs. Bennet. Because Mrs. Bennet is just so outrageous and petty. You know? Like, you can write a flat character if you want to. Because it's in the... It's in everybody's repertoire as a trope, you know. Mm-hmm.
0: And I feel like women in general, like the the sort of being hyper focused on um on on their like daughter's sex life, is a big trope in this genre. Um, mm-hmm. like I feel like many mother characters are not given their own story arc in in general. Like they don't care about anything besides their daughter's love lives, and I imagine that probably women have complicated lives after they marry you know and Mm -hmm. because i'm i'm a married lady and i'm not a mother but i think that that's something that happens a lot with this trope is that you end up with these sort of like kind of infantile kind of just unnaturally cruel mother characters that's sort of like it's not quite misogynistic because sometimes they're very practical like mrs bennett in Pride and Prejudice is pretty practical in many ways. Like, she knows that she has to get her daughters out there and meeting people. She doesn't understand that there is a level to that where you should stop because your kids are gonna get out in trouble.
1: Right? Yeah. And to be fair, she did, like, it. she was successful. Like, her children did get married, so mm-hmm. in the very, like, bold points of of the, <laughs> like, Strictly looking at marriage or not marriage, she did do well.
0: Yeah, and she was pretty successful in sort of like the way she sort of pressures Mr. Bennett in Pride and Prejudice into, you know, like inviting new people in the neighborhood over. She knows that there yeah. is a process involved with this, but she knows that ultimately, and she knows ultimately that's going to be very important, but that's not like the only thing, right?
1: Mm hmm. And also Mrs. Bennett is, I mean, there's a reason behind her madness as well. Like, I think, I think when you think closer about her as a character, I mean, there's a lot of elements that contribute to the fact that why she is so crazy. Um, they married very young, so she didn't have any, she didn't have as much time to mature mentally, you know, before she became a mother and everything. Um, she they also um were very thoughtless when they were married so there's this underlying worry um also it must be terrible to live with a husband who hates you like he really does hate her you know and he completely checks out of the relationship of the um you're talking about in the, this book right no i'm talking about oh um, no mrs. Bennett.
0: i don't think mr bennett hates mrs bennett no, I think she he really cares for her. It's just like they have this dynamic. He like they check he checked out though. Well, he sort of checks out in that like he's like this weird introverted weird weirdo, right? That hangs out in his study. But it's not like he doesn't want to hang out with Miss Mr. Miss Bennett. She she just doesn't want to talk to anyone
1: except for maybe Lizzie. I think, I think part of, um, Pride and Prejudice is a punishment towards Mr. Bennett because he was not more involved in the racing of his children. Like, um, Lydia runs away and is disgraced. His, his, like, being removed from everything only makes Mrs. Bennett more crazy
0: yeah I don't know. I don't see them as being particularly unhappy. just we I mean they're like Mrs. Bennett in the book is clearly meant to be a sort of comic relief character now, I would say <laughs> in this book, uh in the Lady in the Smoke, now, it seems to me like the author like brings up this concept of her being really troublesome and then proceeds to say oh but there's a reason why she's like this and then basically doesn't deal with the character again at all right (laughs) like doesn't really like she basically spends the rest of the novel in bed and I understand that but I think like it was an interesting moment to explore how people can be really toxic and they can have a reason for being really toxic, but that doesn't mean that you need to internalize their toxicity, you know?
1: There is no ultimate wrapping up of that story either.
0: Yeah, I was expecting like a parent arc there, but she legit just the, just climbs onto a steamer to America and she never yeah. truly deals with her issues with her mother. Um, mm-hmm. which I thought was kind of an unbrave move as an author, like didn't want to deal with the with the process of that effects, and I mean that's something that people bring up every Mother's Day is that many people have mothers who are very toxic, and that yeah. and that not everyone has a positive relationship with their mother,
1: right? Mm-hmm. And also, like that's that's also the meat of literature too, like having that like moment where you just. You have that interaction where everything lays out, you know? And it's like, in in Jane Eyre, Jane comes to um, whatever her stepmom's name is. And she's like, you never loved me. And, and then they have this moment where they talk about it. And then she, like, lets go of that you know so usually there's some way where they like confront the issue and then they either like resolve it or they come to terms with it you know or something like that but this one it was just like and your mother's asleep she's an opium addict so there
0: yeah and I felt like that uh, you know it wouldn't be out of character in this book to have like the mega happy moment in which her mother says, listen, oh, yeah. I I don't support your choices, but I will still love you because you are my daughter. And, you know, I chose not to love other people in my life because they weren't convenient. And that ultimately failed me, you know, mm-hmm. like I like I yeah. couldn't love she couldn't love her first love, the, the brother. She couldn't love her um, Elizabeth's father and which ultimately led to his death. You know, like, I feel like that there was a moment for just, like, a very
1: short scene, like, tying that up. Yeah. And damn, like, Paul is so squeaky clean and can do no wrong. I did not pass put it past this book to um, absolve a character so completely like that, you know?
0: Which was also kind of interesting. I felt like some of the relationships in the book had not been fully f- figured out. Like, for example, the fact that her grandmother who talked her mother out of marrying the brother that she wanted to marry like everyone Mm -hmm. in that story seems surprised that that woman is very manipulative when they like (laughs) lived with her their whole life and i can't imagine (laughs) this is the first time that that woman tried to manipulate people right like i was like oh she they you know he said she said that she was dying of cancer um Mm -hmm. and i'm like yeah well she probably does that all the fucking time like, oh, don't yeah. you
1: live with her? The old, the old shtick of yeah. dying of cancer. Well,
0: I felt like it was seemed, like, very naive that someone would suddenly be very good at that sort of manipulation. I think it takes a lot of work. I mean, I'm certainly still working on it. I mean, I've got to <laughs> work on my evil stepmother skills or whatever.
1: <laughs> um, I was wondering about her aunt. Because her aunt was alive during this and her aunt was around them and she saw her mother and elizabeth's grandmother act like this and she saw that elizabeth's grandmother was doing this weird thing where she made elizabeth's mom marry the first son instead of the third son you know yeah. and then she's like nice like i was like what what kind of world is this? She was Whoa. like, "It was better for everyone." <laughs> was it really? Well,
0: I think she also also absolved her that she didn't. She also didn't see what the woman was doing. But I, which I did not believe. Like, it's not like someone builds those skills yeah. over time. And so, I think it's also this sort of, I don't, yeah, this sort of belief that that women are just naturally this manipulative and can be this way suddenly. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is not like the story arc of her mother, which is the story of someone who's, you know, bitter and manipulative, who ultimately is that way because of a series of unfortunate invi- events in her own life, um, which yeah. is still invalidates like older lady characters in novels in general. Right. Yeah. Like, I think that people are less willing or maybe it's just kind of a trope that you're that is a, more OK to, like, create these sort of archetypal mother characters you know that don't really have personalities
1: yeah like there's not as many archetypal father characters yeah unless he's like just absent yeah <laughs> like absent or stern yeah my mom has never pulled that
0: trick on me by the way um getting you to marry a different brother cuz by pretending to have cancer yeah <laughs> <laughs> nope she um, hasn't done it nope yeah yeah i mean i don't think it's something they teach us in lady school right where yeah. is that lady school i don't know hoping to get it get my my um my letter from it like like i will from hogwarts
1: oh cool <laughs> it'd be like a bluebird because <laughs> it's like snow white you have to sing to it in order to get the ticket and then. I can't sing that high, so I can't go. (laughs) Did you like the book? I liked it. I mean
0: I I um I liked it. I think it was an easy read and it was sort of kind of popcorn. Um I didn't I didn't really find anything too offensive about the whole book. I liked learning about railroads and things. Um Yeah. So I mean, I liked it. I mean, I agree that like The main character is just so pretty and so good at suddenly being a nurse and so good at suddenly being really good at investigating. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they weren't really believable characters, but I didn't really want to invest more time in getting to know them, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. If they were a little bit more interesting, I might. But basically, everybody but the main characters, I would be interested in knowing a little bit more. In fact, I was like, "Are you going to make Anne the character? Because I kind of like her." <laughs> you know how in um, Regency romance they always uh, introduce one character and then they make them the main character of the next book. Mm-hmm. I was like, Ooh, what if she's the main character of the next book? Oh yeah, we're not doing that. Yeah, we're doing like a real book, I guess. <laughs>
0: <laughs> i think and this is a weird thing to say but i think this book would have been better if it i think it was written in the first person oh yeah that threw me off a lot and i think that i just don't i just think you have a lot more options when things are not written in the first person i think that you could explore her the character of her a little bit more
1: that's, that's another reason why I thought the age of this book was really young, because a lot of YA books are in first person, and Regency romance, like paperback romance, hardly ever is in first person. It's mm-hmm. hard to continue that that tone, you know, of like, ooh, I'm in a different era, when, when you say stuff like I all the mm-hmm. time. Because I live in 2018, I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, I think it's also like you can't really examine the main character and because and you have a little bit of like you're not really sure you can trust the narrator, yeah, and if you really want to tell a full story, it's easier to be in third person omniscient
1: uh-huh.
0: so that you can see when she's being ridiculous or not making sense um or yeah. when when she isn't seeing the the story truly, right. Like, oftentimes she feels as if everyone's laughing at
1: her because she's
0: not married yet, but they're not. No one really cares. Yeah,
1: I love how third person has that double blind thing. An author that is good at it can open the window of one view and then close that and then open another window of another view. And you, like, have to mesh them together in your head, you know? Mm-hmm. Love that. Didn't happen in this book, but <laughs> I love <it. laughs> okay so wendy
0: picked this next book and i'm very excited about it (laughs) you helped pick it i did help pick it so we're doing shapeshifter because we both love shapeshifter so that's like werewolves Mm -hmm. and things (laughs) and i'm gonna read about it all right oh god (laughs) okay the book is called and it has an amazing cover of a shirtless man with some chest Mm -hmm. muscles and ab muscles and mm-hmm. back muscles and an
1: ass. So and- so we're going back into torsos. We're going like back into torsos. We briefly went into fully clothed woman <laughs> mystery, like having a little smooch once in a yeah, while. Yeah. We're going back whole hog, yeah, or whole whole some other type of animal, yeah, whole badgered, yeah. <laughs> and you got to say the name of the book. All right, the book is called Hot
0: and Badgered. <laughs> Uh, by Sherry LaRonston, Laurence- and I should say it is in the Honey Badger Badger Chronicle Number One. <laughs> um, <laughs> There's a whole chronicle. There's this um, is <laughs> but the first book Bad- in the in the in the elaborate universe of the Honey Badger Chronicle. <laughs> Alright. It's not every day that a beautiful naked woman falls out of the sky and lands face first on a grizzly shifter, Berg Dunn. Isn't that a great grizzly shifter name? Berg Dunn? Berg. Berg. Yeah. Hotel Balcony. Definitely they don't usually hop up and demand his best gun. Berg gives the lady a grizzly sized t-shirt and his cell phone too just on style points. And now she's gone taking his double XL heart with her by the time he <laughs> figures out she's a honey badger fish shifter, it's too late. <laughs> Alright, honey badgers are shifters. Brutal, vicious, ill-tempered survivors. Or maybe Charlie Taylor McAlligans is just pissed off that her useless father is trying to get all ki- get them all killed again and won't even tell her how. Protecting her little sisters has always been her job, but it's not about, about to let some pesky giant grizzly protection specialist with a network of every shifter in Manhattan get in her way. Wait, he's trying to help? Why would he want to do that? He's cute enough that she might just let him tag along. That is, if he can (laughs) keep up. (laughs) Torso! Honey badgers!
1: Honey badgers don't care. Here's some cover issues. That guy (laughs) looks like he's 5'6". And he does not look like a grizzly. Like, you're like, oh, cute! He looks like a trim soccer player. You know? He does not (laughs) look like a grizzly. He definitely looks (laughs) like a David Beckham...
0: And not a, not a Hugh Jackman, you know?
1: You know? <laughs> yeah. Hugh Jackman, totally. Mm-hmm. So how much do you want to bet that one of the badgers says she doesn't give a shit? <laughs> how much do you want to bet that there's ins to love? <laughs> that there's some sexy scenes? Lots of people are running around naked. Ugh. Just love shifters. There's probably going <laughs> to be some description of pack, pack behavior. Oh, yeah, Yeah. totally made up. My sister, who's a vet tech, totally hates every shifter thing because she's like, you just made that up. You just, that's not, I mean, that's not animal psychology. That's just, you just made that up. Also, this book
0: is 433 pages.
1: They've managed to keep (laughs) this honey badger thing going for that long. I'm so intrigued. (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure it's like this book where it's like 36.4 i know pages. Oh, i'm so excited i can't believe also
0: only the first two books in the chronicles have been released they were both published this year the second one is called in a badger way
1: oh my god the puns and shifter novels <laughs> i read a book called bare necessities <laughs> Also, okay, I'd like to say that Bear is my favorite shifter because they are giant, jolly, and they're friends with everyone. And they're (laughs) also, like, not pack people. Like, they're like, you should get into this group thing. it's like, no, dude.
0: I'm good. I love them. (laughs) Oh, yeah, this is going to be, this is going to be excellent. And if it's not, it's going to be even better. (laughs) (laughs) Excellently bad. (laughs) Excellently bad. (laughs) <laughs> so next, we're going to talk about um, the books we're reading. So what read- What books have you read lately?
1: I just finished Lisa Kleypas' most recent book called Hello, Stranger. <laughs> <laughs> and it was all right. It's just like every other Lisa Kleypas. It was about um, common people. So there weren't any, like, uh, angsty dukes, which is a shame. But... <laughs> <laughs> it was fun what mm. about you
0: um i read only serious books besides this one um <sighs> i know God. uh i read i read gender trouble by, trouble by judith butler it's a book mm-hmm. about um it's kind of seen as the beginning of queer theory i listened to it as an audiobook and it was like it's all about freud and foucault and stuff like that and i used to i had to like turn it off while i like and think about it for a while before i could start again <laughs> it was like pretty rough um and i read silence by shusaku endo which came out in the 60s and is about um missionaries in 17th century japan
1: has super serious
0: yeah and about like they're trying to find this missionary who uh christianity has been outlawed in japan and someone who um has basically uh renounced his religion and they're looking for him basically huh. and they're looking for him and it's kind of this story about what it what faith looks like and what it and you know what does it mean to question and the difference between acting on some on some belief and the actual belief the I, there's kind of a theme of silence like the silence of god in a situation and whether or not it's important that he is silent or something like that it was pretty rough it's pretty serious. Sounds like it. I'm ready for some honey badgers. Let me tell you.
1: <laughs> uh, you know, um, I have to say that the other thing that was in the running was a Highlander novel called "Kill or Be Kilt." <laughs> I know. So uh, all about the
0: puns. All very yeah. The puns and torsos were back in mm-hmm. that area. Hashtag puns and torsos. <laughs>
1: Those are my favorite things when it comes to books. Oh god, it's
0: it's pretty much like required in this in this technically a torso is in the, the cover for this book. It's just a, a lady torso. Thank you for listening to Getting Lit, available monthly on iTunes. If you want to learn more about a love for romance novels, you can visit gwenwendy.com. That's gwenwendy.com. You can follow Alana on Twitter at LibrarianAlana as well. What's the best type of romance novel, Wendy? The trashy kind. The Anna Lana's podcast. Wendy Anna Lana's podcast.
1: Get little ready, get little rare woo!